Yes, I can hear you. Loud and clear. Ah, okay. Finally, I can see you. I've never been so happy to see a politician before. <laughs> and, I, and I've never been so happy to at least get on the phone where somebody can okay. see. Okay. Finally, 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 uh, we got here. So welcome to episode 16. Uh, everybody of Teta Huali. Oh, and we have, we still have about 150 people. So that's, that's amazing. They were all waiting for you patiently. Thank you so much, Dr. Chi, for doing this. I know you Thanks must have... Thanks for me. It's good to be here. Yeah, you must get plenty of requests. Uh, so I, I introduced you earlier as one of the most colourful and controversial figures in Singapore politics. And I think even though you have never been elected, I think you definitely will go down as a consequential politician, even more consequential than some elected opposition MPs. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for, for being here. And I have a few questions, so shall we get to it? Sure. Well, thank right. God. First of all, I just want sure. to, to apologize for the delay. It's just this technical stuff that I'm not too, uh, uh, you know, well-versed with. So It's okay. It happens. I mean, I'm still struggling with uh, Instagram. So uh, thank you so much. So uh, the first question, and it has to do with my first impressions of you, and I was following politics some time ago as an, as an ordinary Singaporean, and my my first vivid memory of politics involves you because it was played over and over again uh, on Channel 5, the, the news, uh, the, the mainstream media, uh, and that was about uh, during the 2001 uh, election and where the scene where you were uh, supposedly chasing uh, then Prime Minister Go, and so it's the come here Mr. Go incident, right? So my first question to you is, when I, when I, I still remember the incident somehow, that's very vivid in my mind. And for a while, I know some people have said that they are upset at you because of what happened with uh, Mr. Chiam. I think I, I don't find that to be an issue because that happens. Conflicts happen between people and between personalities, especially in politics. I also find it ironic that people who, some of them who did actually are not too fond of Mr. Chum suddenly were on Mr. Chum's side when he was, uh, he had a follow-up with you. I find that ironic. But so I had no problems with that. But my, when I was growing up, I did have sort of an issue with, with that particular incident because I thought it painted, uh, well, it gave a, a non-constructive version of politics, right? Paint a picture of non-unconstructive version of politics. So my first question to you is, do you regret uh, that incident? And do you think that incident has shaped public perceptions of yourself? Well, well I think you, you hit, the, uh, hit it right on the, the nail on the head uh, when you said that, you know, the television was just uh, playing it over and over. This is this ad nauseum for that few days in there. And, and also with the episode with, uh, you know, Chiam, you know, headlines were just blaring all over. If I had just watched, I don't blame you for getting that uh, um, impression. And if I had watched it, my, uh, it on TV, I wouldn't have liked myself, um, you know, having seen, read some of the headlines and seen it on TV. But therein lies the problem. Uh, don't forget that those years, that era, those, those, that period then is very different from today where I cannot just get online and talk with you like this and have people see me directly unfiltered on uh, through the media. And you were at the mercy of the PAP and, and the media and what they wanted to paint of you. Um, you, you were just basically uh, um, there for like a sitting duck. 
And it was during that period that I think people formed this 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 impression um, of uh, me and 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 my brand of of politics. But um, you know, when when they said I was chasing Mr. Go Chok Tong, you know, around, we were we happened to be at the same spot in in the same um, hawker center, and I was doing my thing, and and he was doing uh, um, his, and, and so you know, but how they wanted to spin the issue. As I said, you were helpless in, ter- in terms of um, what was portrayed to the general public. Um, and you didn't have uh, um, an avenue of getting through to the, po- po- uh, to the public unlike um, the social media of today. Right. So, so I get that. I mean, I mean, that's what the media does as well, right? The media, I mean, it's, the media sensationalizes things. Uh, but don't you think you sort of give them an opportunity to, to sensationalize? Yeah, I, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. You, you know, it's almost every, everything that you 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 did that um, you could potentially open up mm. um, an avenue for them to criticize you. But what do you do as an opposition? There, you you had a job to do. Um, you had to campaign, and was during the height of the elections. Uh, during the situation with uh, um, Mr. Chairman, even for example, during the period where, um, say, you, you know, during the uh, period time when we were talking about the Tudong issue, uh, I had gone to Speaker's Corner at that time to talk about this issue and why it was important at that time. Uh, there was this move to ban the schoolgirls from school because the parents wanted them to don uh, um, the Tudong. So I went down to the speaker's, uh, to speaker's corner and, and wanted to talk about it. Um, and then immediately was approached by the, the police and then was subsequently charged for speaking on a religious um, topic uh, at the, the um, uh, speaker's corner. But you think about it, right? Um, you needed that, that, as I said, there wasn't any social media at the time and there was this place which you could at least speak directly to a Singaporean crowd. But then it was spun, it was, you know, used against um, who, against me in that instance. And then it was breaking the laws of, of Speaker's Corner and so on and so on. So you, you get this idea that almost everything you did, um, you, you would have to do it almost uh, everything dictated by the PAP. Otherwise, you would be painted in a, less than favorable life right. became the bad boy of, of opposite of politics. Right. You know, right. So 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 just just the final point on this. So uh the 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 counter to that what people would say is you know Cham Setang was never portrayed in that light. Lao Tiatian was never portrayed in that light. Or even Pritam Singh is not portrayed in that light. So why what was different about you that you were portrayed in that light, you think? I it's it's something which people have always told me, said that, well, um, it, it's something, it's the kind of, of politics that we, policies that we put forth. Because we were talking about the reform of the system, right? And if you were just to really talk about uh, at that time in terms of, of policies um, without the access to a media that would at least be uh, independent, and free to report what you said, uh, that would have been very helpful. But because there wasn't, so we were talking about reform. As I said, you remember that there was a period 
before social, the advent of social media. And so, you know, you, you, have, you have to talk about making sure that at least our freedom of um, speech, uh, that would include freedom of the press, freedom of the media, our freedom to um, assemble, our freedom to uh, associate, these were the fundamental rights that Singaporeans did not have access to. And so we were talking about reform. I don't know whether it was because the PAP felt very threatened because of our advocacy in those areas here there. And they moved in with everything they had uh, to try to, to silence um, opposition politicians like me. And I must in include uh, J.B. Jaratnam at that time too, because... Right. Um, we were moving very much in tandem on these these issues, right? Okay. On the fundamental rights of Singaporeans. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. So that's a that's a good segue into the next to the next question, which I intended to ask last. But uh, basically, you said that you basically went further than the other opposition politicians, except JBJ, right? So, do you think that? The fact that you went further is why you didn't get elected, whereas the more moderate opposition politicians, I mean, moderation is relative, but the more moderate opposition politicians, such as Mr. Cham and Mr. Lau, did get elect elected. I, I don't know. I, I all, uh, you know, in, in my mind, um, I came into politics and joined the opposition not merely to get um, elected. For me, it was not, not a change in vote, but a change in mind, a change in heart, a change in, in, in our political culture, where everything is not defined by the PAP, where people could actually begin to exert, assert their voice. That, to me, uh, was the crux of the matter. So I don't know, but... Uh, uh, it, it was it was a very uh, um, trying period where uh, the PAP came at us with with hammer and tongs and made sure that at every stage of the way, whether we were sued, um, made a bankrupt, um, and, and either prosecuted in, in, in court. So there was, you know, I, I take you back again to the time where we were talking about and championing free speech, and there was just no way that we could actually. Um, have a venue like you have at Speaker's Corner, where we could all gather together, you know, you know, stage, uh, 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 conduct uh, speeches, um, hold a protest if we wanted to. There wasn't a venue at that time. So we went down and we talked about it. Um, and I challenged the, the, uh, the government at that time uh, to at least allow Singaporeans to come together. And again, we were just, I was just portrayed as, as a, a, a radical and then made to paint it on in a very bad light. But at the end of the day, I think it was this, this effort to challenge them that eventually Speaker's Corner was established. And today, at least we have a venue where, you know, people, Singaporeans can come down and, and voice their unhappiness on whatever issues, you right. know, um, government right. of the day. And, and that and was think... all important. Yeah, I think there's no doubt, uh, which is why I started off by saying you are a consequential politician, even though you've never been elected precisely for the reasons that you've mentioned. Uh, but I wanted to push you a little on what you said. So surely every politician enters politics to be elected, right? Otherwise, you could just be an activist and do the same thing, right? 
why enter politics to do it? What what is it that you can do in politics well, that you yeah. cannot do as an yeah. as an activist? Sure, I mean you you could, and I could have done that, um, but at that time, um, even an activist was uh, had their own difficulties. I take you back to the year nineteen eighty seven, which is just you know not too long before I had entered opposition politics itself, and because those the the people who were accused of being Marxists uh, somehow uh, was just accused of that and then thrown into um, uh, the detention without trial. So that has its drawbacks as well. Uh, but for all it's worth, you know, um, you, you can actually get into um, politics and at the same time uh, be engaged in some of the issues that are important. And I think... Um, you know, history abounds with such cases. Um, Mandela was one of them, for example. And, and uh, these are things that happen. It's sometimes they, they cross over from one to another. Uh, Lech Valencia was another one of them. Aung San Suu Kyi, you know, the rest of them. So you have um, cases whereby, and you just look no further than Malaysia as well. Some of the activists have become politicians and, and vice versa. So... Right. Uh, it, you know, it's not a straight line or just a, a black and white situation. Right, okay. Uh, by the way, for the record, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with entering politics to, to effect change. I just uh, wanted to uh, get your thoughts on that. So, so we've, we've talked about the past, so let's move to the present. What went wrong or right for SDP during GE 2020? So, uh, in, in a sense, you can say that the SDP was quite successful yourself. 45%, I think, many people thought you were down and out. But 45% is quite remarkable. And Professor Tambaya as well, 46%. I mean, this it's quite uh, quite an achievement. Uh, on the other, you still didn't get any seats after many, many years. So uh, what went wrong or what went right for SDP, do you think, in the election? Yeah, I you know, it, it really is a matter of whether you see the half, uh, cup half full or half empty. If you've been with us through all these years, uh, you would see that trajectory on up. And I take a lot of encouragement in that. Of course, we were terribly disappointed where, when uh, none of us could get over the 50% threshold. But I think having said that, um, again, uh, um, if, if you look at our history, uh, we were gratified to see that at least we were making some headway in roads. Um, and um, we just look forward to building on that. Uh, but I think the most important thing right now, again, is that we never compromised on our principles. And I, I take a lot of, I put a lot of emphasis on that. Through the years, through the decades, we've stuck to what we believed in. And if we get into parliament, it'll be on our own steam, with our own message, without having to, to compromise on what we believed in. Uh, and I think that uh, if we do uh, um, ever get into to Parliament, I, I think that would be uh, uh, very, uh, you know, an achievement for us, which I think yeah, through the years we've been um, very proud of. Right. Okay. So thank you. So Z asked, uh, I, I, I'm taking uh, questions here. So it's related to what you say. Why, why is it a conscious choice to take a less conciliatory approach with regards to the PAP, do you see value in that, or 
why why don't you see more value in the working within the system and tweaking the system approach right, that is taken right. by other parties yeah yeah i i think that the whole approach of being conciliatory must come for a reason and not for its own sake if you know what i mean right yeah. uh, um we were talking about i I've, we've never f- taken a um, a stance where we are personally holding grudges against pap politicians we're very much focused on on policy and uh whether it's just to defend the rights of singaporeans uh the right to freedom of speech as i said the assembly association or whether on issues you know uh, these are things that we find that the pap is so far to i, I don't know on the political spectrum we see it as to the right uh that just in order to 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 claw back and bring uh, singapore's politics uh to more to the center um would seem to be uh, you know very unconciliatory very radical very con- confrontational but i just want to remind singaporeans that this is all part and parcel of framing uh, and that's pap defining the parameters right. and wanting to define and frame sdp myself as the the radical the, the, the bad boy and uh, as i said you know if they control the media like they used to to do uh, they still do but it's only with the the uh, help of social media would begun to uh, get back some of these right Avenue way for better communicate with our Singaporeans. Do you think uh, Singaporeans accept that framing of SDP as a radical party? I, I, you know, it's something which I think Singaporeans are slowly coming round. If, if the feedback that's been given to me, I think Singaporeans by and large are beginning to see, uh, come to the realization that um, the SDP, what we proposed. universal health care for example um abolish uh, um streaming um having minimum wage no policies that pap are beginning to follow and beginning to uh, um implement you know, to varying degrees uh, but if you see if you follow that trend you'll see that we are very middle of the road and it's the pap that began to come back and, and know that where the pressure point is because singaporeans are no longer uh, just wedded to the kind of media that they've been putting up and they've got their voices carried through on social media so they're becoming nice like Singaporeans of by and large coming round to see you and I if the last election results in an indication I I'm very hopeful of what's okay. going to uh, come in the future right okay so uh, Dr Chi you became the head of SDP in 1993 am I right Eternity three or I I'm not sure. I just I joined it by around nineteen ninety two, and then okay. I took over the second generalship only in nineteen ninety five. Oh, nineteen ninety five. So uh, that was when you were thirty three. Just about, I think. Just it about thirty three. So, so those you're dating me already, aren't you? Those who are older than thirty three, please please re reevaluate what you're doing with your lives. <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess since nineteen ninety. 1993-1995. So, uh, don't you think that's a bit too long to be the face of the party? Don't you think SDP would would benefit from some rejuvenation? Yeah. Again, let's you know we don't want to talk about rejuvenation for 
its own sake, right? Yeah. It's not that we have, you know, hordes of Singaporeans just knocking on the door and, and then wanting to join the SDP, right? You're still talking about the opposition. It's still a pretty scary position, uh, you know, proposition for Singaporeans wanting to join. Uh, Singaporeans are, are still, there's still a fear factor. The climate of fear is still, is still there. You think it's so still we're not strong? talking about you think, the climate of, you think the climate of fear is still very prevalent? It's, 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 it's slowly, you know, eroding. But, you know, there's still, I think, a significant level of fear among Singaporeans. It's not like we're, we're you know, a mature democracy in that sense where, you know, people just speak as uh, without any fear, without having to look over their shoulders. Um, so you, you have the situation where we are still not in a, a mature democracy where, you know, opposition... Uh, politics um, is still, you know, it's, it's something which still is just very uh, um, free in that sense. So I think having, you know, Singaporeans having that mentality, we're still trying to encourage and break down that fear. And so you're not seeing a long line of, of people wanting to come in and join us. So in that sense, uh, we still have ways to go in terms of attracting people as, as far as we've come uh, compared to say you know when I joined uh, BSDP uh, we were moving along very well already you know the young Democrats are up and coming but they'll, they'll need a few years and we'll be beginning to uh, go through that in the, the next years in the foreseeable future we'll see some of these people taking over leadership positions in the SDP oh. including the Secretary General of the, the party Oh, any particular names? Oh. Well, you know, there are some, you, you see them on, 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 uh, on, on our um, Facebook. Um, I've gone to help projects with them. Um, Stanley, uh, Tan, you know, Naresh, right. uh, Mani. So the few of them, they're, they're, they're just, right. just trying to get there. Min is another one. Um, and, right. and these are people whom we're going to continue to encourage to take leadership positions in the near future. Okay. I, I'm looking for a scoop. So if you can give me any, I would <laughs> really appreciate it. Okay. So uh, the next question, uh, you seem to have adopted or you are beginning to adopt a different strategy. You used to be national issues, big picture person. You were the person people were thinking at. No matter what people say about you, nobody can say, I think nobody can seriously say that you are not clear on your ideologies and you're not clear on what is the direction that. I think that's perhaps, I think that is your biggest contribution to Singapore politics, giving a true alternative in the ideological sense to the PAP. Uh, but now you seem to be more of a, if I could say, PAP-esque candidate talking about municipal issues, local issues. Is that, is that a change or am I reading too much into it? I think you perhaps <laughs> looking a little bit too much. Well, although no, with with reason though. I think because um, after the last elections, um, I, I've gotten um, message after message in terms of Bukit Batok residents uh, telling me, you know, that you know, can I do this? Can you just, uh, uh, you know, telling me some of the problems about some of the estate problems that they encounter. Right, and some of them wanting more, uh, requesting for more personal help, and uh, others with also with social uh, problems and and so on. 
Yeah, I can hardly turn away from uh, those uh, requests. But I find it very meaningful too in terms of being able to engage them and to whatever degree I can to help uh, them resolve whatever issues that uh, um, there are. So in that sense, it's not, not being a, a conscious pivoting towards it, but rather responding to some of the needs and some of the requests from uh, Bukit Batok residents. At the same time, um, I do want you to, I do want to refer you to some of the posts that I've been putting out on Facebook as well, where I've addressed some of the issues, like for example, the, the, the cutting down of, of Kranji forest and, and you know, uh, trace together situation where Mr. Dr. Balakrishnan actually assured us that, you know, the data that wouldn't be used except for COVID-19 issues and so on. And of late, um, this whole situation where Mr. Masagos didn't uh, uh, quite convey the kind of feeling, uh, uh, the, the deliberations that was going on behind the scenes, as expressed by Mr. Shanmugam. So all these things, these are some of the broader issues, if you will, uh, in terms of uh, how I would like to communicate. I will continue to do that. Very important issues, but at the same time, uh, simultaneously, concurrently be able to talk about some of the issues that concern specifically Bukit Batok residents. Right. Do you think Bukit Batok SMC will still be around in the next election? I, I have absolutely no idea, but, but therein lies the problem, isn't it? This is gerrymandering, this introduction of this GRC system has gone on for too long. And it's just used as a plaything for the PAP. Uh, and it's just, it's just really horrendous right. that you can work in an SMC for years and then find that all of a sudden it just gets roped into a GRC. And don't forget, Bukit Batok was a single seat uh, SMC uh, almost 30 years ago. And uh, after 25 years, uh, after that, it, it, I think it was 1997, it was roped into uh, the G, uh, GRC Bukit Timah started off with, and then uh, Jurong GRC and so on. And after a quarter of a century, I guess after, you know, when Bukit Batok residents was, you know, that they, they had, you know, the opposition SDP out of their minds already, then they felt safe enough to put Bukit Batok as an NCMC again. That's how the system works. And, um, you know, it's something which we've got to uh, uh, contend with. But uh, I'll be still be, be fighting it in the uh, constituency, come what may. Right. So I actually, uh, just as you were speaking, I had a question on the GRC, but I'll, I'll save that for, for later if we have time. So uh, amongst the five questions I wanted to ask, the, the, the final one, there was more than talk, there, was, there were actually talks uh, between different people about the opposition alliance. So what happened to that? And uh, it seemed for a while that PSP and SDP actually would, uh, would be leading that alliance. And don't you think the failure of that potential alliance or the fact that it didn't materialize, don't you think that gives credence to the standard argument that, oh, one of the opposition's problems is because everybody wants to be a leader, their egos are too big, therefore they cannot unite and therefore they can never project a strong front against the PAP. How would you respond to that? I, I think, you know, during the last election, elections especially, I think we were broadly supportive of each other. Uh, 
uh, about the very fact that we didn't come together as a formal coalition. I think that's only uh, the sub-story, if you will, to um, the whole narrative about opposition unity. I think we did, we did a very good job in, in at least presenting ourselves in a one-to-one -one situation in almost all the constituencies. And uh, there was a lot of, of crosstalk. Uh, but if you want to talk, if you're talking about a more formal, formalized uh, uh, coalition, uh, I think SDP we, we've been uh, working towards that at least in in the decades that I've been um, leading the SDP uh, in the years past, um, so, and it was no different this time. We invited all the opposition to come together, at least let's be able to sit down and talk. I'm not privy to what what the discussion is within. Um, each individual political party, but um, rest assured, um, we will we we have, uh, and will continue to try to work towards some kind of at least uh, an opposition where the public can have more confidence in in terms of unity. But I, I think it on the whole, um, credit to to where credit is due. I think the opposition is is uh, in general has done a. a you know, a credible job in trying to come together and, and be supportive of each other, especially, uh, and it showed in the last um, elections. Can an opposition alliance without the WP be effective or can it work? You, you know, it, it's a question that, that I think perhaps someone like you, the political scientist, putting on your, your crystal ball and looking forward and analyzing a multitude of factors would be a better place to answer, right? But I, I think it's, it's important uh, that if, you know, for the opposition coming as uh, a whole together can offer, I think, a very uh, credible uh, force uh, to an alternative uh, to the PAP. But again, um, we'll have to, to wait and see and the many factors. You know, if, if, if uh, they say in, in 24 hours in politics is a long time, mm. um, we've got another four or five years and we'll just see what happens then. Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I have, uh, I, maybe if there are other questions, I can take it as well. I see some people have typed out questions. So uh, there's some question on cannabis and all, but I think I want to stick to uh, the the broader question. So the GRC earlier you said that I you are not in favor of the GRC, right? Just to confirm. No, and I think we made the uh, stand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so so how would you guarantee minority representation, or do you think there's no need for a guarantee? You know, um, JB Jayaratnam was was elected on his own, uh, you know, steam. David Marshall. Uh, Again, you know, you would put him in the minority category. Was our first chief minister, uh, and you, you you see that trend in there, right? Um, that whole idea of a GRC system was just so the, the the reasons for it, the excuses for it, was so flimsy. You you could you see right through it. So, I I, I still think that it's more uh, a a a tool that the PAP has used uh, to put heavyweight ministers, right, and then bring along some of these younger people on their coattails right. uh, into, uh, into during the election. So 
these are things that we're very uh, very concerned about the GRC system that we would like to see abolished. Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> because I know SDP is one of, if not the the only party that really, really had a comprehensive uh, policy plan for the Malays, for instance, right? Uh, I I remember reading it. It was very detailed. Uh, so maybe if I could push on the GRC point, right? Uh, wouldn't you say that amongst the minorities, there, there is a difference in perceptions towards the Indians and Malays? Uh, there is a problem of perceptions uh, on on some people, uh, on the part of some people where they think, oh, Malays are less than capable or Malays are lazy. And it's nothing for me. Retaining the GRC is not about the Malays not being capable because the Malays are as capable as the other races or as not capable as the other races, right? So there's nothing in being Malay that makes you more or less capable. But if voting is about perception as well, then surely the perceptions people have towards the Malays puts, puts the Malays at a disadvantage and therefore you need the GRC at the very least to guarantee that. Not because the Malays are less capable, but because people have certain misconceptions about Malays. Yeah, I, I, I guess you have to look back as early as I think a PAP who became uh, a PAP MP who became uh, the minister it was Ahmad Ibrahim, wasn't it? Ahmad Mata. And, and then, yeah. Ahmad, yeah. I think it was earlier on, and then it was Ahmad Mata, and and so on. And right. uh, look, there was no GRC at that time, so you, you've got to to remember these are the things that I said. Sometimes it's how the PAP frames those issues. And then one thing to, you know, with the control of the media, continue using this whole very flawed argument uh, to convince Singaporeans that, hey, you know, you need the GRC system because otherwise then uh, um, Chinese Singaporeans will not vote uh, for uh, Malay uh, uh, candidates and, and, uh, or Indian or minority candidates. And that therein lies the problem when you don't have an open debate or where there's avenues and, and for people to discuss. Um, you, that's where you fall into all these these uh, problems of ha having a race define us. And, and I don't see how Singaporeans right. are not supportive of, of competent candidates that push themselves forward who are rational and who argue well, speak well, are able to convince them, persuade them of their policies. So, so, so you I think, think, you think racial voting is not a significant enough factor for us to... Yeah. 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 And, and, and we've got, you know, there's evidence before that, as I said, I pointed out, uh, right. you know, many of yeah, the so, uh, yeah, minority so Ahmad, candidates from the opposition and PAP. Right. So uh, Ahmad Ibrahim was, uh, was a minister before independence, right? And Ahmad Mata was the one uh, after independence. So, uh, so uh, Dr. Chi, do you think the GRC is still as strong a tool of control, considering that two have fallen and one of them has fallen three times, right? Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, what it's how the whole thing is, is wielded because, uh, it, you know, the PAP is there uh, to be able to say, hey, we want a bigger GRC, six-person GRC, or as, as little, as few as, as three. And then they can... Uh, take in single constituencies, SMCs, and bring it into the uh, GRC fold or have one of their component 
uh, wards right now become a single seat. So there's just a lot of, of room for them to maneuver, which I don't uh, uh, think that is, I, I don't think that should be the way, uh, nor is it healthy for um, the development of democracy in this country. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's see some of the questions. So someone was asking, if not the GRC, what do you propose? I propose you, I, I assume you propose all SMCs, right? Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. So uh, another question is, uh, it's not really uh, direct. Well, it's, it's related. So someone was asking, do you think if we had an opposition coalition, uh, it would suffer the same fate as Pakatan Harapan in Malaysia because you are bringing different people and parties with ideologies and the only thing that unites them is uh, they are not PAP. Yeah, I mean, every, every country has its own experience, um, you know, in terms of uh, political developments and how they come together is, is, is crucial. So, look, uh, uh, I wouldn't hold any country up as a model, but to depend on our own experience um, and, you know, for us to forge an understanding, but it must be based on values. It must be based on um, like-mindedness in as far as policy are, are concerned. And most importantly, you know, in our own interests, making sure that um, the country comes first. And, you know, this whole idea that sometimes coalition will just break apart when people pursue their own interests. That is very, very true. At the same time, I've seen coalitions that held up very well. Um, you look no further than some of the Scandinavian countries in Germany, for example, multi-party system, but coalitions come together and to create a very stable political system. So there are different lessons to be gleaned from these various systems. And I, I think that there are lessons to be learned, right. not necessarily from any one particular country. Okay, thank you, thank you. That was a comprehensive answer. So uh, there's a question from Igi Pereira. What is your biggest regret as the Secretary General of the SDPA? Oh my gosh, I, you know, it's things like that, um, you know, I, I don't mean to get all philosophic, uh, philosophical <laughs> on, on, on you guys. No, carry on. But I, I honestly think that, uh, you know, we, you, you, we don't, you, when you regret something, you think that, um, oh, it, it's something which you know, is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. But I've always taken the value, seen the value in us as human beings making mistakes because we learn from it. It takes us, makes us better people, takes us to better places. And every time you, you go, there's a fork. You make that, that, that choice on what to do whenever you have a decision to make, right? And if you lean back and look at some of the whatever you've learned in the past and let that guide you, I think you wouldn't use the word regrets um, as, as most people do. I think you, you take them as life lessons and be glad that it actually happened to you. Then you know, you learn from it and, and uh, you go forward to, to improve oneself and make sure that your self-development takes place in, in the most effective manner as it can possibly get. Right. I think whatever people say about you, whether they agree or they disagree or whether they dislike you, no one can say that you have a lack of tenacity. <laughs> so uh, I, I just have one final question. One final question. It's already 40 minutes. At the time flew by. So... Uh, who is your favorite 
let's end on a conciliatory note, okay? So who is your favorite PAP MP? Uh, Michael asked this as well. If you could co-op one, who would it be and why? I, I, I don't have one particular one. <laughs> but I've, I've said it before, and I've on record as saying before. Okay, other than SM Other than SM you know, I've had my clashes with Mr. Thaman, right? Uh, and I see, you know, uh, uh, the positive of him, as well as some of the things which he's said that are just very cringeworthy. And at the same time, with some of the other PAP, not just ministers, with, uh, with MPs as well. And I've said this, I said on record, um, that I, I find uh, uh, many of them to be uh, good, caring Singaporeans, Sing people who have a heart for Singapore. But this is where I, I, I draw the line because I don't in indulge in personal politics or personal destruction. I take them for what they say and for the policies that they advocate, for the policies that they vote for, that, that they support. And this is where I, I, I whenever we, I, I criticize, the SDP criticizes, the PAP, um, it is, it's always been, it and will always be on policy. And it's got nothing to do with the personal well-being. Uh, and I, I don't wish them well at all. I just give you one example, in the last GE, uh, I remember Mr. Morale came in and, and gave a very impassioned appeal uh, on, on the video uh, to not attack it. So I found, uh, it, it touched me. Because as a father, I knew how it felt when people you go after your children. I said, said, no, you've got to put a stop to that. I could hear the pain in his voice. Um, and I said, no, this is not what politics should be. And I just want to make sure that we put a stop to it. And let's get back onto just talking about policies. But on po political grounds, and what he's advocating, what he's voted for in parliament, and what he's, whether he's doing anything to help um, the residents of Bukit Bato in, for because of, of his being elected as their representative. That's what uh, um, I, I gun for. And if we, dis we agree or we disagree, it'll just be on purely on those, those political grounds and on personal um, grudges. Right. But, but surely after 30 years in politics, you have one, one PAP MP that you like, at least. <laughs> actually, actually, I do. I actually, I do. <laughs> Not um, that no, no. <laughs> huh? You have to go way back, okay. way back. Right, right, right. right. I think you know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, it was none other than uh, uh, Lim Chin Siong. You know, not just for his charisma. Joke aside, right? For what he stood up, that, that, that man cared. He really cared for, for Singapore. And uh, to see him have to go through what he did. Um, it's just something which, uh, um, even as I, I uh, uh, just just a read of history, I met him towards the uh, latter part of his life, and I could sense that that sincerity, that passion, and that that love that he had for country, and that really stood out for me. I I I must say I didn't see that answer coming at all. I'm sorry <laughs> to disappoint you, but you know. it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it is. Uh, it is. Still, it's still a legitimate answer, I suppose. But I guess okay. So if I will put it, I will to put it uh, in a different way, right? Who would you be most comfortable? Assuming the PAP will be in power for the next at least two to three elections, right? 
uh, who would you be most comfortable with leading Singapore after PMD? From the PAP, it's point from of view. The PAP, from the PAP, yeah. You know, it, it, as long as they stand for what they stand for, you know, trying to, to wear anything from using um, race to define us and, and to, to drive the wedge, wedge uh, um, you know, for the sake of hanging on to power uh, and, and um, making, you know, with, with policies that don't help the common person. I, I'll be very honest. I wouldn't feel, and then, you know, to have all the, 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 the legal tools at the disposal to deny Singaporeans uh, for the freedom of speech, uh, freedom of assembly, I, I don't know if I'll feel comfortable with any of them. Uh, you know, I, I just, as I said, it's got nothing to do with personality or, or personal politics. It's got everything to do with what they stand for and their outlook and their worldview of, of, uh, for Singapore and, and, and the region, I suppose. Okay. I try my best to get a name out of you. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you. This is gotcha moment. Don't be sorry. But okay, Dr. Lee, do you have next time. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say? Any wisdom you wanna impart to us? And this, the most of the audience gonna, they are gonna be from the younger generation. So, do you have anything to say or anything to share? Final word. Uh, I, I, I think I've said plenty. I wouldn't uh, be so presumptuous as to be able to impart wisdom. I'm going through life just as all of you are, and I just want to wish everyone, uh, um, you know, be true to yourself. All right. Be passionate in what you, you uh, uh, have the courage of your conviction. I think that's the best that all of us can do in this very uh, imperfect world where we're all trying to, to approximate uh, the kind of persons or people that, that we hope to be. So there you go. I think that's wise enough. Uh, so Dr. Chi, it's been a pleasure and sorry about the technical difficulties, but I'm glad you nope. managed to do this nevertheless. Thank you so the, much. The problem was all, all, was all mine. I'm, I'm just oh. sorry I couldn't get, get thank, everybody waiting. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. And I hope to have actual Tetari with you soon. One of these days. <laughs> yes, okay. Take care. Bye-bye.